Well, welcome. I hope that you've enjoyed our Reaching the Nations conference, and uh, I know you have a lot of breakouts you could be going to, so I'm really honored that you're here today as we think about uh, looking and reaching the nations next door. And so this time together is for us to be able to look and see what God is up to around our world today. As much as you, you know, as uh, we have talked about, that we want to do everything we can to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to all peoples around the world. And we are so excited to see churches and partners go overseas and share the good news of Jesus Christ. But I want you to be thinking about as important as it is for us to get on the plane and go to the nations, it's also really important that we go to the plains and welcome the nations that God is bringing to North America. And so as we think about the lostness today, we think about a little over 3,055 people groups that are still without the gospel message of Jesus Christ. As far as we know, these people have never heard the good news of Jesus Christ. And so these are people that are desperate. These are people uh, that are forsaken. These are people that have been forgotten. These are people that have been unengaged. These are people who are unreached. And these are people that have no access to the gospel of Christ Jesus. And so as you've heard this week, as we think about these who have no opportunity to hear the name of Jesus, we have the opportunity as we think about what God is doing today, that God is bringing the nations to us. So we want to continue to do everything we can to get the gospel to those that live in their homelands. But we also realize that God has given to us a very strategic opportunity to reach the nations that are living outside of their country of birth. Many of you have been praying and engaging unreached people groups for years. And some of you have seen a map like this. If this is one that we've done called the Global Status of Evangelical Christianity. There are other maps out there. Sometimes they're called the least reached areas of the world. Sometimes it's called the 1040 window. And so as we look at these maps and we see the darker red, the red or the orange shade, we see that these are the places around that world that are the least reached areas of the world where that 3,055 people groups reside. And when we think about this, we have been praying, we have been working, we've been doing everything we can to get the good news of Jesus Christ to these people. And then when you realize what God is doing today, and we found, find that uh, Ray Bakke, a uh, missiologist, has said, the frontier of world missions is no longer geographically The slides are just a little bit slow, so excuse me. A hundred years ago, we sent missionaries to the nations to look for the cities. Today, you go to the cities and you find the nations. He also said the frontier of world mission is no longer geographically distant. It's culturally distant, but geographically right next door. It's not saying we don't go, but what it is saying is that we need to look and see what God is doing around our world and take advantage of the opportunity to share with people who are close, the proximity, where there's open access to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, to show and share the love of Jesus. And so I want to uh, now for you to, to listen to a video uh, by Dr. Uh, Platt uh, just showing you the, the importance of us reaching the nations next door. 
Hi, I'm David Platt. I have the privilege of serving as president of the International Mission Board. And we exist, the International Mission Board and the 40,000 plus churches that we represent exist to partner together with those churches to make disciples and multiply churches among unreached peoples around the world for the glory of God. And most of our focus is in places outside of North America. At the same time, we would be foolish not to realize Acts chapter 17, God is orchestrating the movement of peoples all over the world, including bringing peoples to North America where we have opportunities to reach them with the gospel that are much harder to do in the countries where people are coming from. And so we need to wisely think together as churches how to join in what God is already doing, orchestrating the movement of people so that they might know Him. Acts 17 says He's bringing them to us where they have access to the gospel, where many gospel-believing, Bible-preaching Christians or churches exist, and Christians from those churches living in cities and communities where you have all of these different unreached people groups coming to the U.S. and different parts of North America. So my, my prayer is that as we think about mission, disciple-making among the nations, that we will wisely, strategically, intentionally in our local churches think about the peoples that God has brought to us. Let me encourage you as a follower of Christ, as a leader or pastor in a church, to look at the community around you, the city around you, Ask the question, who are the peoples that God has brought here and how can we train our church members to reach them with the gospel? How can we be intentional, uh, intentional about making disciples across ethnic barriers here, across language barriers here, and do the work that we do around the world in missions right where we live? And in the process, be able to connect that work with then what we do around the world. Why not be intentional about focusing on Central Asian peoples that are living in my city and then connect that with spreading the gospel to that particular part of Central Asia where the majority of those people live. What if God in His goodness, His sovereignty, and for His glory has brought peoples to us that we might be a part of not only just reaching them here, but reaching them there all for the glory of His great name. So as we look at the people groups, uh, J.D. yesterday kicked us off talking about the unreached peoples and talking about the fact that uh, here, again, we think about a little over 11,000 total people groups, uh, a little over 6,700 unreached people groups, again, over 3,000 that are both un un unengaged and unreached, and yet there are 358, in fact, the new statistics uh, are a little bit more than this, but 358 people groups in the United States. And so again, while we want to do everything we can to get the gospel message of Jesus Christ to the peoples in their homeland, we must not neglect the opportunity God has given to us to reach them next door. Yesterday, J.D. kind of talked a little bit about this as well. When you look at the top five places for people groups, unreached people groups. You see that U.S. and Canada, the U.S. is number two with 358, Canada with 161. So we see the strategic opportunity that we have as a body of Christ to reach out and show and to share the love of Jesus. 
yesterday, again, we see this, this same quote from Ray Bakke. Yesterday, cities were in the nations. Today, all the nations are in our cities. I don't think any of us could have even imagined where we would be at today in North America and the opportunity that we have to reach the nations next door. And so as we think about that, I want us to think about how North America has, is changing. North America has become a modern crossroads of people from the entire globe. We have the opportunity to just outside our door to start reaching those least reached peoples that we've been praying for, that we've been working toward getting the gospel to them right in our own back door in our neighborhoods. And immigrants in the United States and their U.S. foreign-born children now number approximately 81 million people, or about 26% of the overall U.S. population. I want you to just kind of get an idea and think about this. Sometimes when we think about foreign-born, we think of it about immigration, we think about refugees, we think about international students. Sometimes we might have in mind that, yeah, I understand that they're in New York City. I understand they're in L.A., they're in San Francisco. I understand that they're in some of those larger metro areas, large urban centers of our nation. But I want you to kind of look and see that these are 13 states where the immigrant population growth was more than twice the national average. The national average over the 10-year period is 28% over this last decade. I want you to look, maybe you're from some of these states, and you could say, you know, this is why I'm seeing the nation's next door because look at what's happened a 92 percent increase in alabama 88 in south carolina 82 percent in tennessee and we're sitting right now in north carolina 67 percent and so you see an increase they're not just in the large urban centers but they're spread out all across north america they're in your city they're in my city and so as we think about this 26 percent of children in the united states have at least one immigrant parent. What a great opportunity for us to, again, to show and share the love of Jesus. As we think about the immigration, we have about one million immigrants per year that come to the United States. And you may think, well, that's, that's not unusual because aren't we a nation of immigrants? And yes, we are. Your forefathers, my forefathers, we, they were immigrants that came here, established a life, we may have to go way back, but they were, in, we were from immigrant families. But I want you to notice that before 1965, there was something unique. When we think about how immigration, you heard Dr. Wright talk about the fact that we were due for a new immigration reform, that it's needed, badly needed, and people are calling for it. We've, we, though the immigration reform has been something that we have done as a nation every so often trying to uh, identify what the needs are and developing reform and developing policies that will care for the least reached or the, the least among us. And as you notice, before 1965, we had primarily people who were coming from the Judeo-Christian background. They were from people like Scotland. They were from Ireland. They were from England. They were from, uh, you know, Germany. They were from all the, maybe some of the larger European countries. But they were more Judeo-Christian in background nature. 1965, it ended a place of birth emphasize individual worth and family reunification and you'll notice something very unique that happened 
And it ended in 1965, the immigration reform bill ended the huge influx of Europeans and began a tidal wave of Asians, Pacific Islanders, South Americans, Africans, Middle Easterns. A few from the Asian influx alone include Chinese, Asian Indians, Vietnamese, Laotian, Thai, Burmese, Malaysian, Filipinos, Japanese, Koreans, Cambodians, Afghani, Indonesian, Pakistani. Now, why I'm showing you this is I want you to be thinking about that map that I showed you earlier. And I want you to remember that map throughout our time and our presentation because I want you to look at the missiological implications. I want you to look at the importance of us being the hands and feet of Christ for us to share the good news of Jesus Christ and how important a moment it is for the church to stand up and do what God has called us to do and commanded us to do and it is love the foreigner among us. Now, why is this important? When you look at that map and you think about that map and you think in light of recent immigration, you see that many of those that are in that map of the least reached areas of the world, the 1040 window, many of them are coming and are moving next door. And we have a chance as we welcome them, as we love them, as we reach out to them to show them the love of Jesus Christ. But not only is it the immigrants that are coming, but we also uh, know that there are refugees. Well, let me just go back for just a moment and uh, the history of immigration. There, there's always been, as Dr. Wright said, you, you, you have some in our congregations and some in our churches who are very welcoming of immigrants. There are those that are not real sure about that. They are not real sure that they want people here. In fact, you could probably look at these two different opinions that were back from our forefathers and even though they would be voiced a little bit differently, they'd be written a little bit differently, you could see this same sentiment in our newspapers, in our news today. Well, Benjamin Franklin was one that was not so welcoming of immigrants, as you see here. In 1751, referring to German immigrants invading Pennsylvania, as he called it, he says, why should immigrants establish their language and manners to the exclusion of ours? Why should Pennsylvania, founded by the English, become a colony of aliens who will shortly be so numerous as to change us instead of us anglifying them? And they will never adopt our language and customs any more than they can acquire our complexion. Not so welcoming, right? But you could see that on the news if you turned on the news today. You could probably see that in newspapers today. And that's not so welcoming. And yet we find also people in our local churches who have that same attitude. But then if you look to the right and you see that here's another attitude that's a little bit different. It's very welcoming. One not so welcoming, one that's very welcoming. From also one of our forefathers, George Washington in 1783, he's, he's addressing a group of Irish immigrants. He says, the bosom of America is open to receive not only the opulent and the respectable stranger, but the oppressed and the persecuted of all nations and religions, whom we shall welcome to participate in all of our rights and privileges, if by decency and propriety of conduct they appear to merit the employment. One not so welcoming and one very welcoming. And again, we see both of these in our society today and in our churches. But then also, in addition to the value, about a million immigrants per year that come to the United States, we see that we have also refugees that are coming. And we've talked a lot about refugees in the last couple of days. 
But I want you to notice in 2016, uh, 2017 is not completed yet, so I want you to see 2016 by country of origin. And again, I want you to think about the map that I showed you previously and think in light of the Great Commission what God is saying to us as we look at this who is coming. Democratic Republic of Congo, Syria, Burma, Iraq, Somalia, Bhutan, Iran, Afghanistan, Ukraine, Eritrea, and then other countries. And again, once again, you see who's coming to this country and who's coming to your neighborhood and my neighborhood are people from the least reached areas of the world. Who they, where they live, where they came from, they may have had no access to the gospel of Jesus Christ, but God is placing them next door to you so that you can love and share and care and show the love of Jesus so that they might know him. So I want you to notice another third group of people that we've talked a little bit about. We have the immigrants, about a million that come. We look at the refugees that uh, this coming year, we will have a drop, as you've heard Dr. Wright say, there'll be about less than 50,000 refugees in, in 2018. But then I want you to look that over a million international students are coming to study in the U.S. every single year. This number has only been increasing. But a million international students from all around the world who are currently attending American colleges and universities. And I believe this represents a strategic opportunity to share the good news with the nations that are right next door. 450 current and former heads of state and government studied right here in the United States. I can't help but believe that if these individuals have been exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ and had met a believer in Christ Jesus, how the world might be today. But we know that as we think about uh, these and how they're being welcomed, uh, that some, so that they are receiving, receiving the same kind of welcome as those immigrants and those refugees. They're not being welcomed too well. But again, I want you to think about that map. I want you to think about what I shared with you earlier and look at the top places of origin of last 2014 through 2016 of over those million students. The top three are Chinese, India, and Saudi Arabian, and then South Korean, Canada, Vietnam, Taiwan, Brazil, Japan, Mexico. Now, why did I show these maps to you? Why did I show these statistics? Because I want you to see what God is doing. And as we have looked at Acts 17, realize that God is on the move, that God is providing opportunity for peoples to be able to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. But the sad thing is this. While studying in the United States, the majority of international students is reported as high as 75% are never invited into an American home. We did a story not long ago uh, about uh, a student who was, had studied in the United States, was on his way back home. And uh, as he was leaving, saying goodbye, he, he was walking out the door and uh, actually there was a suitcase left behind and the person that was there said, well, what about this suitcase? He says, no, I'm not taking that with me. And they said, well, why not? And he says, well, when I came to America to study, my parents gave me all these gifts to give out. And as I was invited to American home, I would give them this gift from our homeland. He says, and it's still full of the gifts because I was never invited into a single home. And as we think about that, think as how bad that is, look at this figure that breaks my heart that's even worse. 
And it's this, that 85% of international students are never invited to an American church or have any meaningful contact with genuine Christians during their average stay of four years. It breaks my heart to think about those students who want to come. They want to learn about America. They want an American friend so much. My wife, Kathy, and I, we've been trying to model what we've been encouraging and teaching, and we tried to get our church involved, and we personally have been trying to be involved. And we, our life has been blessed by immigrant families. Our life has been blessed to get to know our neighbors who are immigrants and to love them and to be loved by them and to share experiences and to show and share the love of Jesus. We love them very much. But we've also had the joy and the privilege of of being able to to have international students in our home and to share birthdays and to share celebrations and share holidays and share just life with them. I remember that uh, not long ago, and we had a privilege of meeting one of our new students, and we've had a chance to host so many students. And, and when the, we had a chance to meet the first student, we just had the opportunity to meet them, and we, we got to sit down, and we were, we were there with everyone who was being a host family. And we were there eating a sandwich and just talking, and just in the first 10 or 15 minutes of that conversation, there was a wonderful opportunity that God gave us for gospel conversations You know, as you're doing life with these students, there's just natural encounters where you can share your faith, share the joy of Jesus, share your life with them. As we were sitting around talking, I talked about how much this was such a great time of the year because you're coming into America. We got fall festivals. We got pumpkin this and pumpkin that. We've got Thanksgiving. We've got Christmas. And I hope you'll come to our home because we lived overseas and we know how much it meant to us for to be able to be in other homes and to be, uh, to, to, to learn the culture and be with other families. And I hope you'll come to our home as much as you can. And I said, I hope you'll come over to our home and celebrate the holidays with us. And, you know, I hope you'll come and help us decorate our Christmas tree because we put up a Christmas tree and we have ornaments that mean something to us because we got them from all over the world. And I'd love for you to come and be a part of that. And so we were just talking and, and, and the, they, the question was, well, do you put up a real Christmas tree? And I said, no, we don't. We put up an, our artificial tree because we put it up at Thanksgiving and take it down at New Year's. And, and I happen to have a copy of that Christmas tree on my phone. You're thinking, well, that's a little weird. Well, yeah, but we've tried to do something that I would never suggest you do. We tried to fill up a room that's at least over 14, 15 feet tall uh, with a Christmas tree. Well, when you have to buy a special ladder to put up a Christmas tree, it's too big. And uh, I nearly, uh, uh, you know, knocked uh, the chandelier over, nearly broke my neck. And uh, anyway, we got it up and uh, I decorated it a little bit at the top. And then my wife left her to decorate it all. And she sent me a picture of it and saying, okay, it's up. No more, nothing else has happened. We're okay. So good. So I had it on my phone and I showed it to the international student. And the international student said, wow, that's a big tree. And then she said this. This was the God thing. She said, I noticed something. It, that's a, is that a star on top of your Christmas tree? And I said, yes, yes, it is. And she said, I've, I've got a question. I have noticed in movies, I've noticed in magazines that there's a star on top of a Christmas tree. Is there any significance to that? Thank you, Lord. And so we were just able to tell her what that start meant, the Emmanuel with us. And that was the first of many gospel conversations that we were able to have as just a natural expression of who we are as Christ followers as we were loving and caring for these international students that, again, have meant so much in our life. 
And so as we think about this, we, we want you to be able to know who is in your community. And you've heard a little bit about this, and we have been working jointly with the North American Mission Board. So the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, have been trying to discover who are the nations that are next door? Who are our neighbors? And so we have worked together to map and to discover the people groups, the immigrants, the refugees who are living in our communities. And so if you just kind of wonder, you know, I think there are some immigrants, I think there are some refugees in my community, but I'm not really sure who is there. Now let me encourage you to go to peoplegroups.info and look and see who your neighbors are. And so as you do that, then I encourage you to be thinking about ways that you can be reaching out to them and show them the love of Jesus Christ. I want you to be thinking as we are considering how we serve people, what will be the church's response? When we look at the immigrants, when we look at the refugees, when we look at the international students, what will be the church's response? And I want you to think about this, and I, I want you to realize that it is one of the issues that as Christ follower, I think you've heard wonderfully, prophetically from our keynote speakers, and even more and more this afternoon. I want you to think about three things. And this is, came from a presentation that Jenny Yang, who was with us last year from World Relief, and, and others that I've been with her, and she shared these things, and I want to share them with you. There's three reasons why Christ followers need to care. The first is, it's a biblical issue. It is a biblical issue. You have heard from our keynote speakers talking about that as Christ followers, it is our responsibility to show and share the love of Jesus with the foreigner among us. It is our responsibility. It is our opportunity to do so. And it's a church issue. One day I wonder when my grandson grows up, if he asks me, he calls me Bob Ball. He couldn't say grandpa, so he calls me Bob Ball. He says, Bob Ball, he knows me being a Christ follower, knows I'm a minister of the gospel. I wonder if he'll ask me, I just wonder, I wonder if your children will ask you, I wonder if your grandchildren will ask you, when the refugee crisis was happening, what did the church do? How did you respond? What did you do? I wonder how we can respond to that. I wonder how you can respond to that. I wonder how our church can respond to that. But it is a church issue. And then it is a missional issue. I think as we've looked through that map of the least reached areas of the world and we look at who God is sending to our doorsteps in the immigrants, in the refugees, international students, it is a missional issue. We've had several people respond and res uh, kind of talk about this survey, but Lifeway Research did a survey about among Protestant pastors. And here's some of the, the statistics. They asked, my church has a sense of fear about global refugees coming to the United States. 44% disagreed, but over 50% agreed, and 6% said they weren't sure. And then they were asked, Christians have a responsibility to care sacrificially for refugees and foreigners. 86% of the Protestant pastors said they agree, 10% said they disagree, and 4% not sure. I'm not sure about those 14% what Bible they read, but... Anyway, uh, it's, uh, we, we know that as we've been challenged that sometimes, as Dr. Wright said, we, our, our opinions or our belief system is formed more from the news we watch rather than the Bible that we read. And so as we look at this, we think about the other question they were asked, 
Which of the following best describes what your church has decided about getting involved in caring for refugees? They said locally that 72% of the pastors says we've not discussed it. Internationally, the pastor said 63% had not discussed it. Then they asked about being currently involved. 8% of the local pastors said they had not been involved. 19% of internationals said they, they were, that means they were currently involved, excuse me, currently involved. Desire to get involved, 9% locally said they, they were desired to get involved, 10% internationally. And then decided not to get involved, 9% decided they would not get involved, 7% said they would. And not sure, 3% locally and 1% nationally. So what does the Bible have to say? I know that we have kind of gone over these scriptures, but I want us to look at them once again. So in Leviticus 19, 33 through 34, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself, for you were foreigners in Egypt. And then in Deuteronomy 10, 18 and 19, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. And you are to love those who are foreigners for you yourselves were foreigners in Egypt. And then the last one I want us to look at is Leviticus 19, nine through 10. When you reap the harvest of your land, do not reap to the very edges of your field or gather the gleamings of your harvest. Do not go over the vineyard a second time or pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor and to the foreigner. Both in the New Testament as well in the New Testament, God has given us a command to love the foreigner among us. We heard J.D. share about the Good Samaritan this morning. But as we look about this, I, I want us to, to look and see how do we get started. You're here Maybe you're already started. Maybe you're just find, find, trying to find a way. How can I get our congregation involved so that we are responding in the way that Christ has commanded for us to respond? So if you will, I want you to look with me and, uh, and, and see. First of all is that I think we need to understand that we realize that we're living in the unprecedented time in history of the world. You know that today we're seeing more people in dispersion uh, than, than in any time that we can remember in recent history. We have more refugees right now uh, in, in our country and around the world, uh, or at least around the world, than we've seen since World War II. And so we need to understand that we're living in an unprecedented time. We need to understand that, that the, the internationals and the immigrants and the refugees and understanding that they are here for the opportunity that they might be loved and cared for and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. And so we want to be faithful as followers of Christ Jesus to love them and to care for them. You know, when we go back and we think about this, it is something that we need to understand and teach our people that we're living in an unprecedented time. And we need to help them to work through whatever hangups and whatever difficulties that they have thinking about reaching out and caring. Because there are many in the Bible, as we have thought about, that were immigrants. And, and you heard today uh, from the pastor who was sharing with us, Dr. Wright, and he shared these with us, but some of these with you. So I want you to be thinking about this. Abraham was an immigrant. Rebecca was a family-based immigrant. Jacob was a refugee. Joseph was a victim of human trafficking. Ruth was a family-based immigrant. David was a refugee. Jesus was both a refugee and a celestial immigrant. And Paul was an employment-based immigrant. 
And so, as we've seen, there's a lot of ways that we can respond, but we need to be responding in the way that the Bible has shared with us and mandated us that we're to care and to love our neighbor. Second, we need to look around and see who God has brought to our state, our cities, and our communities, and to our neighborhoods. Who are the diaspora peoples that have surrounded us? How can we get to meet them? How to meet their needs and build relationships? I just really encourage you to go back. And I, those of you who are watching live stream, I pray that you will get with people in your church, your life group, your Sunday school, your leadership, your elders, your pastors. I pray that you'll get with them and talk about the needs that are around you to help them to realize that God is bringing the nations next door and that we need to respond in love and to care and to show and to share the love of Jesus. The third thing I believe we really need to do is that we do need to practice a great commandment. Yes, we need to welcome them. Yes, we need to care for them. But we need to also demonstrate the Great Commission. We need to show and share the love of Jesus. And then fourthly, discover and link with diaspora advocacy networks and resources that will help you assist in sharing the good news. I am glad that you're at Reaching the Nations. Our heart's desire was to provide an opportunity for you to learn to be networking with others who are working among diaspora peoples. So I pray that, it, that even as we meet again this afternoon in our affinity groups and then beyond, that you'll continue to grow and meet with others who have the heart for immigrants and refugees and international students and that you'll continue to learn and grow. And then the fifth thing is disciple and equip diaspora peoples coming to faith in Jesus Christ and then share faith with others. Wouldn't it be great wouldn't it be great that we realize that as we are sharing the love of Jesus with these refugees, with these immigrants, with these international students, many of these are going to go back into their home country. They're here for a short period of time. Sometimes immigrants come here for job transfer. Sometimes the international students are coming here to get a degree, to have an experience in America. Just think what it would be like if they come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're able to help disciple them, and they go back and take the gospel where the gospel has not been. It can flow back through those relational lines, through those family lines, and the gospel can flow where it's not been. And then sixth, I hope you'll cast vision to diaspora peoples to share the gospel with their peoples and their hopeland. You saw last night, and uh, we're going to see again today, the video from the, the lady, her family had come here as refugees and how a church in Texas reached out to them and loved them and discipled them and now how they're going back sharing the good news of Jesus Christ from refugee to a missionary. That could be repeated over and over again. Wouldn't it be great that your mission agency and our mission agency is appointing missionaries and sending out missionaries? Wouldn't it be wonderful to start seeing those that will be from Africa, from Burma, from Nepal, from all the places around the world that are coming here to study, coming here as immigrants, coming here, and then are going back around the world proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. I think that would be a glorious day. And then I want us to be thinking about not only do how do we get started, but how do we get specific? I think you as leaders need to teach and preach on being a welcomer. Being a welcomer, welcome the immigrant. Take them a cake, take them some food, be a friend to them, get to know them and welcome them into your home, be a welcomer. And then there's an opportunity for you to offer cultural immersion experiences. 
I don't know about you, but sometimes people don't see what's in front of them. Have you ever noticed that? My wife and I had the privilege of helping with the local church in our city and for about two and a half years. And my wife was there more often than I was because of my travels. But it was interesting when they got ready to call the pastor, they invited us to come and meet him with the rest of the staff. And they said, we're going to meet at Shoney's by the church. Well, we were both saying, is there a Shoney's by the church? Because you can't know where every restaurant is because if you don't go to certain places, it's amazing how you don't know that they're there. And so we put in our GPS Shoney's and it was really embarrassing because as we would go up the road, you take a left to go to the church and there to the immediate right was the Shoney's. We had passed it every time we went for over two years and never saw it. Interesting thing is that in our communities, the peoples of the world are right next door. They live next door, you shop next door, they're right next door. And sometimes we don't see them because we're not looking for them. And what I pray is that we will help the people in our congregation to see the nations that are next door. How can you do that? Well, you can take them to one of the ethnic restaurants. You can help them to open their eyes to see the nations that are there. You can take them and prayer walk by the mosque and by the temple. You can take them into those areas and show them that the nations are next door. So get them out. Let them be exposed. Let them meet someone. Or invite an immigrant to your home. Invite the international student to your home. And invite others of your life group or your Sunday school class to come so that they can be familiar, that they can see that the world is coming next door. And I encourage you to pray in the prayer walking that we talked about. Work with the same people group here and there. Many of you have, your churches have been embracing and praying for people groups globally for years. You've been going on volunteer trips. You've been going there to try to get the gospel to those who have not heard. Think about where those same people groups are here. So if you're working with the people group there, as Dr. Platt said, you're working with the people group over there, look for that same people group is in your neighborhood or where they're at here in North America and simultaneously be working with them there and here at the same time. And then you need to be a welcomer to international students, refugees, and immigrant families. I believe that you've come to this conference, you're here you're wanting to learn, you're wanting to be involved, you're wanting to be a better uh, follower of Christ, you want to be better prepared. So go back and help others to, to learn and to be prepared and help them to think about how they can be reaching out. Many of you right now, if you've not already started a ministry to international students, next week you could go to your university and you could say, I think that I've heard that you are looking for families to host an international student's. And I tell you what, they will be very pleased and very excited about your openness to host an international student, or maybe two. And so I encourage you to lead the way. I encourage you to show the others how to do that. And then you want to develop strategies to share your faith. As you're naturally going about who you are as a Christ follower, share what Jesus means to you. Share your testimony. Share with them the greatest news that could ever be heard. And then let me encourage you as you think about that, discover some creative ways to meet immigrants. Shop where people groups work. Uh, uh, it's, a, it's amazing when we, we think about, I've heard Sunday school classes and life groups that have, have, have had a heart for certain people groups. And so they discovered where those restaurants were in the city. 
And so they decided they would break up. They, the, most people go out to eat at least once a week or at least a lot of times, like once a month. And so they said, let's, let's just intentionally go eat at these restaurants so we can get to know the immigrants that are in our community because that's where they hang out. That's where they, got, they, they go. And then secondly, be personal. Ask questions about family and their life. Tell me about your family. Get to know them. Ask questions. Try to get to know the family. Adopt a restaurant, like I mentioned earlier. Join a community sports club. Maybe it's a cricket club. Maybe it's a soccer club. Go where they play sports. Hang out. Watch games. Join a sports club. And then you can befriend the parents of your child's refugee immigrant classmates. Have you ever thought about what it's like to come into this country and be thrust into school with a different language, a different culture within a couple of weeks of arriving? And so they need help in getting settled into school. They need help of understanding homework. They need help with looking at those kind of things. And so you can befriend a parent of your child's refugee or immigrant classmate. And then invite a refugee and an immigrant to your home. Be a welcomer. Share holiday experiences explaining the meaning of them. This is a perfect time for you to be a welcomer because they're, they're kind of curious. What is Thanksgiving all about? What is Christmas all about? And you have a natural way to invite them into your home, to share the holidays, to share your home, to be a welcomer, and to share the meaning of these holidays. And then gift Bibles or Jesus films and then study and watch them with them. Attend local international fairs. They're, they're popping up everywhere, and you can just go and hang out and get to know people and develop a relationship and a friendship. And then not only are these some good, uh, creative ways to meet immigrants, here's some very practical ways that you can meet the needs of those that are in your community. You can offer rides to international students. I know some that have gone to the university, and uh, the churches uh, have, uh, you know, encourage people to adopt an international students but others have gone to the university and say you know you've got a lot of internationals coming in and could we serve you and could we just merely pick up internationals from the airport take them to the dorm take them to their apartment complexes could we serve the university in this way and this is a great way to be a welcomer that the first face that the international sees is a believer, a Christ follower who loves them and welcomes them to the community. And it's a great way for your people to break the ice where they realize this is not quite as scary as I thought it was going to be. And so this is a great way not only to serve, but also to kind of open people's hearts up to be receptive to adopt international students. Assist with shopping. They come here, uh, we served overseas, and you know there are certain things that when I go now to certain places around the country, there's certain foods that I will buy and bring back home because as we lived overseas, they became some of our favorite foods. And when people come here, there's certain rice or there's certain beans or there's certain things that they really like. So you can scout out and find out where those international markets are and where they have those particular things. And you can help go and share with them uh, those stores. You can also help people to know the difference between a, a pharmacy, a drugstore, and a Walmart and use coupons, whether they be digital or cut out coupons, save money. You could tutor students, young and old. You can help with medical needs and appointments. I don't know, but if you've been to a new doctor recently, uh, when they always ask you to come about 30 minutes early to fill out paperwork, don't they? And think about an immigrant coming in with limited, uh, or a refugee coming in with limited uh, English skills and being placed before them uh, that notebook with all that paperwork to fill out what a wonderful friend it would be and what a wonderful welcome it would be for you to go with them to help as they go uh, to that 
appointment and help them to establish themselves with that doctor. So only do you want to meet those, medic- those practical needs, then there's ways to network. Uh, we believe that we want to come alongside of you. There are people both in your denomination and ours who serve the least reached peoples of the world, and they have the experience. They know worldview. They know, they know cultural things. They know ways to share their faith cross-culturally, and they can be a big asset to you. So in, in contact your denomination. Contact those that uh, have worked among least-reached peoples of the world that are both here now who are retired as well on stateside assignment, and just reach out to them and ask them if they'll come in and help your church to understand the culture there and understand that people group and help you to go out and meet them so that you will know the best ways to approach and to reach out and care for those that it God has sent. Uh, and then you want to work with churches who are engaging these groups overseas. Again, you've got churches who may already have a lot of expertise. They've been going overseas for years. They've been working among that people group. You know that, and you know that they now that people group's here. You can say to that church, could you teach us? Could we come to your church? Could you come to my church? Could you help me to know how to reach out and understand this people group? And, and, and that would be a great way to do that. The resources and best practices. I hope that you will continue to watch for Reaching the Nations uh, website because we will uh, be able to be sharing with you uh, some of these resources. We hope you'll also go back uh, to uh, Southeastern's website because they will have all these live streams posted and there will be another great opportunity for you to go back and to look at these uh, keynotes uh, that's been shared with you as well as for you to share these keynote messages with others. And then we want you to continue to peer learn and network. And so you're going to be hearing today, this afternoon, things that are going to be going on the rest of this year that you can come and be a part of regionally and online for you to continue to learn and network with one another. And then as we think about the global migration, we need to be thinking about the way in which we can reach out and, and really be understanding that God is, is providing the opportunity for the local church, for us to love the immigrant to love the refugee, to love the international students. So I pray as we continue to look and see what God's doing, the ways to reach out and show and share the love of Jesus. This is one scripture that we've talked a lot about, and it's one that I really want us to look at one more time today. And it's Acts 17, 26 through 27. If you haven't marked this in your Bible I encourage you to mark this, and I encourage you to share this passage, and I encourage you to meditate upon this and think about what we've heard this week. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the times set for them and the exact places where they should live. Who's your neighbor? Is that by accident? Is that part of God's plan? that they might be next to you as a Christ follower so that they might come to know Jesus, that they might be loved by a believer, that they might have the opportunity to hear the good news of Jesus. Well, the Bible says God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out to him and find them, though he's not far from each of us. As we continue to reach out, I just want to remind us again that we have the privilege and the opportunity to show and share the love of Jesus Christ. It is amazing what God is doing. It is amazing to me how God is going to use this for his honor and glory. 
And even though some of you may have seen this last night, maybe you didn't. Maybe those of you that are watching by live stream, maybe you haven't seen this, but we want to one more time show you a refugee story and how God is using her to reach the nations. This is the hard part. In the next few days, I'll be moving. I'll be moving to Africa. These are my graduation photos. And so I'm going to take some photos. Help me remember home. Like I didn't want anything to do with Africa. <laughs> I should explain more. Okay, so my name is Abuk. My family's from South Sudan. So when I was five, my parents, they took us to Egypt to complete their whole refugee process, fill out the papers. Um, we found out that we'd be placed in Houston. Um, so we moved there when I was about seven and then made our way up to Amarillo. With the day that we arrived to the States, I just remember like a lot of excitement about there being food in the fridge. <laughs> I remember like there was like watermelon, there was like milk. I was just like, okay. <laughs> my dad, every situation is like, okay, like God will take care of us. I started out in third grade, no English, and so that was interesting. And then like in middle school, I just remember noticing like a lot of kids would make fun of me, like because my skin was so dark. It felt like you had two lives, <laughs> like when I was growing up, it just felt like I'm not African, like I'm African, but I'm not, but I'm American. So it's just like, but I'm not completely American because I'm African. So it's just like, how do I find where I fit? In high school, like my friends, like, Iranian and Hispanic and African-American. I like a lot of different cultures. You get to learn from them. And then I went to college. I got involved with Baptist Student Ministry and we went to East Asia. And I remember being like, okay, like this is what God wants me to do. That was the confirmation. Um, so God used all that four years to be able to teach me like how to love people, how to love the entire world. Like instead of just like where I'm comfortable. And like, okay, like I am gonna go share the gospel. like outside of America. Choosing to do this is very, like, it's not very easy. Um, like, I want it to be easy. Like, it's, it's very joyful because I love doing this. It makes me excited. But I know, like, what it costs to do this. My parents have siblings and parents that are back in Sudan that are uh, not in good states right now. They had a lot of hope. I was supposed to go to university, get a good job, and like help family back home. Well, my brother, he is in school right now. He's doing business. My other brother, he's doing pre-law. Um, they're doing what all of us were lined up to do. But God needs people everywhere. This is all God's story, and he's taking me where he wants me to be. Like everything is gonna be okay. Doing this is just, yeah, very much an act of obedience. This church, like I, we came here since I was 12. Um, they've invested in me and my brothers, and they've helped me get ready. Oh my goodness, how are you, sweetie? Good. Times like these, I've just been very grateful for how much they rise up and they take care of us. Are you ready for all this adventure? Yeah. <laughs>
Whenever we had moved into our apartment, there was a lady from First Baptist. She came and she visited our apartment. She thought that her friends were there, people that she normally took to church, but they weren't there. I started to go to the car and then I thought, no, God's got a plan. So we went to church with her, um, and that's the church we've been involved with ever since. Thank you. I am going overseas, doing university student work, just discipleship, and going out and teaching students how to do evangelism. Father, how grateful we are to come before you now to lift up our sister in Christ. We lift her up to you, Father, for the mighty work that you have prepared for her. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Looking at my story, I was only a little kid when everything happened. Like, I had no control of... When my family moved, I had no control of when my family came to Amarillo and how we got involved in church. Like, there's really, like, no formula for anything because God's the one that's doing all the work, and all we have to do is be willing to be involved, um, and He will use us. He's constantly revealing Himself to people, and He's constantly healing people, and He's constantly, like, drawing people to Himself. We're looking for those opportunities he's like going to reveal them um, so it's just like changing the mindset of thinking like like he cannot um, because he always is he's always using people and he's always doing something what does a missionary look like I hope I can change that idea grateful we are for the salvation in Christ Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to be able to touch the nations, both globally and locally, with that good news. Lord, I pray that you find us faithful. Father, I pray that the church will be informed more by what the Word of God says than we are by popular opinion in what man says. So God, help us to stand up, help us to reach out and show and share the love of Jesus. And Father, as we come here, we know that uh, how it all ends is we see in Revelation 7, 9. Then I looked up and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. Father, I pray that as you give us opportunity that we'll be faithful to share with them about the love and the good news of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. God, help us to go and to care and to share. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.